When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. On this episode of ATG Cast, Podcast of the Wheel sits down with Tim Barnes from the Yubno Podcast. The TV shows, I hope. I hope that the TV <laughs> shows explain so many things right. that one day I will watch The Rise of Skywalker and it will all... Just it'll all feel better, right? It'll, it'll all feel better. <laughs> but the rise of Skywalker, in a lot of ways, is the most extreme example of how somehow J.J. Abrams was not allowed to take a single risk in that movie. Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, the podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am your host, Nick Milkey, and I am excited to bring you another episode Podcast of the Wheels, where we have a deep dive conversation into Star Wars, fandom, what it means to us, and I have a fantastic guest this week that I can't wait for you to hear from. Before we get to Tim Barnes, I did want to just remind you about ATGCast.com. That's where you can check out all the things that we do on the ATGCast podcast stream, which includes this show, Podcast of the Wheels. It also includes Around the Galaxy, hosted by my good buddy Pete Fletzer. We also have on Friday night streaming Star Wars, where myself and Pete and Chris Ryans from the Broaxium Network, we get together and we host what we call Sports Talk Radio, but for Star Wars. We talk about the episode that week, we talk about a middle segment of some kind, and then we take your calls. We put the link in the live chat, and we want to hear from the audience, we want to hear from you. Get your opinions, get your feedback. Plus, if you go to that website, attpcast.com, you can learn about our Patreon program, where you can hear us record our episodes live. And find our merch there's so much good stuff there we would love for you to check it out we would love for you to be a supporter of atg cast and all the different shows that we produce and if you're new to the show thank you for being here i'm excited for you to get to hear this episode my guest this week is tim barnes tim barnes is a writer he has written for late night with jimmy fallon comedy central uh, he is also a star wars podcaster himself he is one of the hosts of the yubnub podcast with our good friend Greg Iwinski, um, and he's just a fun guy, such a great conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear all the things that we dig into. We dig into what it means to see this era of Star Wars focusing so much on TV and the smaller screen and what that means to him as a TV writer, and we also just dig into that classic moment of what is his Star Wars spiritual experience and what is that time where Star Wars hit him on a deeper level. So without wasting any more of your time, I want to get you right to the episode, and I'm excited to bring you Tim Barnes right after this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Um, I just watched uh, the the latest episode of Andor yesterday. I had a double. I, I watched it twice. I find this is the rare Star Wars show that I actually make sure to watch twice in a day. That's how yep. good it is. It's like a dense book each uh, each chapter of this series. It, it's really interesting that you say that, and I want to dig into Andor a little bit as we get into you know some of the things I want to talk about tonight, but. One of the conversations, and just a little peek for anybody who's listening to the audio version of this, you're going to have to go back and dig, but our episode of Streaming Star Wars tomorrow night, which is our live stream show we do on Fridays, where we talk about the latest you know, Star Wars show that's on, topic of the week, that kind of stuff. Um, we're going to do a little middle segment where we're talking about normies, which is what we call people who are not as hardcore into Star Wars <laughs> as we are. Uh, normies versus nerds, and kind of the yeah. catchphrase that I put on that was maybe I'm the problem. Like maybe part of the reason we get so worked up about star Wars is that the sweaty nerds like me spend too much time being worked up and all these kinds of things. But one of the guests we're going to have on is my co-host Pete, his 70 something year old dad who loves sci-fi, who loves star Wars, nice. but is not into it like we are. And he wrote a blog post and he kind of said, you know, the eight reasons why, you know, Andor may or may not be working. And one of the early things and bullet points in his post was, um, you have to watch it twice, you know, and for a normal <laughs> Star Wars fan, for a normie, you watch it and you're like, what happened? Yeah, you know, we watch it because we want to catch the Easter eggs and all the other details. And as content creators, we kind of catch ourselves on defense watching it the first time. Like, what am I looking for? What am I looking for? Yeah. The second time we get to get kind of soak it in. Um, so it, I love hearing you say that even as, you know, a Star Wars fan and a, as a writer, you're like, I've got to watch this thing twice. Like, it's that good. There's so much there. Yeah, and, it, and it, 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 I have to focus on the dialogue. I have to yep. figure out the nuances, and that's what makes it great. I, I know that you love wine. Not not wine. I learned <laughs> that you love whiskey. And For sure. uh, something I tweeted a couple weeks ago was like, what I love the most about Andor is that it feels like a show that you have to pour a glass of whiskey for to watch. Because yep. it's just like, this is gritty. It's serious. It's talking about actual life. And mm -hmm. it's actually expanding Star Wars in so many great ways. Like I rewatched a couple episodes of uh, of the Obi-Wan Kenobi show and mm -hmm. Andor has helped me figure out in a more grounded way what is happening in the Star Wars universe during this time period, because this is about five years before Andor. Right. Or, or about. Yeah. Uh, or is it, yeah, about five years before Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yep. now I have a better sense of what's happening with the Galactic Senate. I have a better sense of so many things. I, I know that there are TV shows with uh, news anchors in the Star Wars universe. Right. Like these little, I know that there's breakfast cereal. I, I was going to say, uh... you can be eating your space Cocoa Puffs <laughs> while that space news anchor. Yeah. You know, I just feel like if we put the word space in front of it, all of it, it qualifies it <laughs> as, you know, fitting the thing. So you've got yeah. space Cocoa Puffs, space news anchors, space, you know, overbearing mothers, like all yes. the different things that, you know, that go into it. 
Um, but it's fascinating. And I want to circle back to that because I want to get kind of your perspective as a TV writer for sure. And this just, again, how great this show is. And I've talked about you guys' show and the conversations y'all are having about it too. Um, but let's start here. For anybody that doesn't know Tim, um, give us a little bit of background on who you are, some of the things you do, and then let's circle that and tie that into kind of your earliest connections with Star Wars, where you found it, you know, how yeah. it has gotten and affected your life. I'm a comedian and writer. I was born in a small town in African America. Uh, uh, no, I was born in uh, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I was a pretty sheltered kid. I grew up in South Central L.A. Uh, I think now it's just called South L.A. because they found that South Central sounded too dangerous. Um, <laughs> and I uh, wasn't allowed to go outside much as a kid. Not that I really wanted to because I really just uh, loved television. I loved books. I loved sci-fi. And Star Wars was really the thing that kind of uh, catapulted me into that. Like when there would okay. be those uh, scholastic uh, book fairs, I, I uh, was just like, and I, I was a child of the prequels. Like mm -hmm. I uh, was so hyped for it. I got the, uh, the, the hype for that movie for the Phantom Menace with all of the uh, Pizza Hut cups and all of the yes. uh, the random you know magazines and uh, breakfast cereal covers and so I remember like picking up this mysterious magazine like like a behind the scenes magazine about this new Star Wars movie uh, that's coming out for an all new generation and I remember flipping through it and 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 seeing this like face of a tattooed figure that's red and black and being like oh mm -hmm. who's this darth and this is my thing i called him darth maul because i was reading his name <laughs> and i have this very specific memory of like you know uh, huddling up with some of my other friends who were excited about it and be like oh my god i can't wait to see what this darth maul is all about and my good friend be like you idiots it's maul it's like all <laughs> with an m in front of um and uh, yeah, so uh, I, my first passion in life, like my first concept of what I wanted to do was to be a mad scientist because I read the novelization of Flubber uh, before mm -hmm. the movie came out. And uh, then as I got older and realized that math is too difficult, I realized that what got me into wanting to be a scientist was movies. And okay. uh, so that was uh, uh, my big goal is to, to be a filmmaker. And as I got a little older, it was like, oh, I, you know, my favorite part of the day is just laughing with my friends at the, before while we're hanging out before school starts. And I uh, was a tech in theater and that kind of thing. Uh, in 2012, I moved to Chicago with a good friend of mine from high school, Ian Abramson. Uh, and I dove into doing a lot of stand up. And on top of that, still being kind of a behind the scenes guy, editing the podcasts and video and things like that um ended up moving to new york and so still that duality of being a behind the scenes person but also someone who performs and does stand up and stuff and uh basically realized that uh what i really want to do is simple like how do i simplify all of these different things that i do and it's just i want to create things and i want to tell stories mm -hmm. and i want to be in a room full of people making something that uh that people enjoy and so uh try to get these little stepping stones to move from being a behind the scenes guy to uh, like on, on the technical end to someone uh, in these rooms, the rooms where it happens, right? That's the sure. phrase. And, uh, and so I, you know, gradually got to the point where uh, I was writing for television. This is a huge mm -hmm. uh, leap forward for me. And so uh, doing different uh, forms of sketch writing, I was writing digital sketches for Comedy Central 
My first TV writing job was uh, for the reboot of All That on Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. uh, which was very exciting, very fun. I got to meet Kel Mitchell and uh, Lori Beth Denberg and all of these uh, icons of the glory days of the 90s on Nickelodeon. And uh, from there, I was a writer on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. All during the pandemic, all from my apartment in New York, never met 90% of my coworkers, never met Jimmy Fallon in person. So it stays in my mind as a surreal sort of Twilight Zone That's experience, wild. which I think is kind of the best. Like I, I left after that year and a half because I, I knew that we were going to be in person soon. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to keep this weird. <laughs> I, I like That's to right. maintain the weird story and then leave. <laughs> Because it's keep, like keep the mystery going, right? It's like, did this happen? Did I, you know, <laughs> did I write a game for Jimmy and Seth Rogen to play on Zoom called the Pickle Juice Challenge? It sounds made <laughs> up, but it's it feels true at the same time. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, it becomes the the whispers of the internet during the pandemic. Like, did yeah. this happen? Is it possible I can YouTube it, or is it? You yeah. know, just that's the movie Big Fish with Ian McGregor from years ago. Like yes. he told all these stories and they may happen. They may not have happened. We exactly. Don't know. We don't know. We don't. It was. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced uh, the depths of uh, of uh, covid uh, pandemic uh, lockdown fatigue. Sure. And uh, so I left that and I, I wrote for uh, uh, a new show on Nickelodeon. It was a live action sitcom called Warped which is about these uh, teenagers who work in a comic book store in San Diego and all of these shenanigans they get into with, uh, in the mall. That was mm-hmm. incredibly fun. Unfortunately, there, there wasn't a season two, but we got to do a few things that were essentially these like great Star Wars parodies. There was an episode where the, uh, the gang, they snuck onto the set of what is essentially the Mandalorian, but we gave it a different okay. name. <laughs> and then we got to uh it was just so, it was like the closest thing i'll probably ever get to writing for an actual star wars pro- project because we just got to um we kind of combined mark hamill and the mandalorian into one figure <laughs> basically in that episode love that um and uh so since then uh this year i released a three episode uh, animated web series through Comedy Central called Maurice on Mars, which is about mm-hmm. uh, the first uh, Martian colony. And uh, this poor guy named Maurice, uh, voiced by myself, who uh, who sneaks on to a, a shuttle to the first Martian colony, but the only job he can get is at a coffee shop. And he's <laughs> the only person who doesn't get the mandatory fact inhibitor chip that keeps things utopic. So he's the only person who can see that this utopia is just recycling the same old earth problems. That's right. It's, it's not uh, so great. <laughs> not so great. Um, I have, I have watched those, the ones that are available online and it's very funny. Like I Thank really you. enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It, I had so much fun putting it together and uh, you know, I got to, you know, Lori Beth Denberg voices um, uh, Maurice's robot bo- boss and uh, I really, you know, I, I, it was my first foray into animation and working with animators. And it's uh, such an in-depth uh, process every single step of the way. There's so many options, but you also have tight deadlines. And it, you know, it, it, it gave me a, a little glimpse into what uh, life might be like for someone like George Lucas. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, who's kind of gotten to the point where um, near the end of his, uh, his time at Lucasfilm, where he, he 
he was in in control of his deadlines. And so when you have an right. infinite uh, playset and <laughs> and you're paying all of the checks, um, what do you do with with such power? Does great power corrupt? <laughs> absolutely. That's right. Uh, yeah. Or absolutely does it not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, and that's, that's so fascinating. And we've seen, you know, obviously with the sale of, you know, Lucasfilm and Star Wars to Disney and the change that that created. But like, honestly, what you're talking about, it always sends out to me the conversation I think was probably had after the first season of Mandalorian when they did those gallery episodes, which... You know, for me, those behind the scenes gallery episodes of any of these shows, I'm almost as into those as I am the shows themselves, because I just love hearing how they did it, what the inspiration was. And early on, you get the conversation of Filoni and Favreau and talking about, you know, our older brothers had all the good action figures. Mm. We had the leftover ones. We had like a broken up, a beaten up Boba Fett and something else. And so we thought, let's make a show about that. Like (laughs) you have the resources and like you're talking about with animation and, you know, the pressure that comes with it, the deadlines and that kind of thing. But like, it's kind of wide open. Like, where do you want to go with it? What do you want to do with it? Like that as a creative person and as somebody who's, you know, striving to create things, there has to be some neat, you know, fun power within that. Like, I really can kind of make it what I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you I think the what's important is just uh, really forcing yourself for to have clarity of vision and uh, a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of creating, a lot of leading uh, groups of other creators is about at least saying something definitive at every step of the way. Even if later on you have to backtrack and say, hey, that definitive thing I said about what this character has to look like, I'm going to backtrack on that. But uh, these things you did uh, with that old direction were, were pretty good. Let's just try and focus on this from for now on. Um, sure. Yeah, you, you learn a lot. Uh, about uh about leadership uh well and and as something as it you have to do (laughs) as you as you as you grow up and become an adult that's right one of those grown-up things that we heard so much about (laughs) and now it's here uh well and certainly with something like maurice on mars like it was your creation it wasn't like you came in to work for somebody else and yeah i'm just gonna write on you know greg's project or so and so's like this was your baby this was your thing that you know, you conceived and put together. So it creates another level, not only of accountability, but of course the standards that you hold yourself to as well, certainly as a creative person. And where is that going to go? And is it going to be what you envisioned? I can't imagine, you know, having that pressure, like it just, what that feels like. Yeah. I think this was truly, because a lot of things I've worked on before have been collaborations with uh, mm-hmm. with other people, like my friend Ian Abramson. We made a short a couple of years ago that we co-wrote and co-starred in. But Maurice on Mars is truly the first um, solo uh, project of mine in that sense of like, I was a sole writer. I was the person leading uh, a lot of the decision making. And um, what I didn't realize would happen was that is what happens after it's released. I was like so psyched, a little bit nervous, you know, uh, but once it's released, it's out there and uh, (laughs) you have no control (laughs) over what it's just out there. It's just out there. And so it was, it, it, what was fascinating for me specifically with Maurice on Mars is that um, it was out there. And I think comedy central put some like, uh, some money into promoting it on YouTube. So it's popping up mm-hmm. on P 
people's screens who didn't type in anything that has to do with Mars, you know, that kind of thing. And so the challenge is, is uh, someone like m myself who likes, who genuinely likes um, getting feedback uh, mm -hmm. on the things that I create and, and trying to figure out how to do better the next time. I had this unique challenge of, uh, you know, unfortunately I'm the person, I, I will admit, I read the comments uh, sure. and have to sift through like what is actual genuine feedback that, um, um, and, and what is uh, the result of someone who thinks that my animated project is uh, the woke media uh, <laughs> uh, uh, trying to do a watered down South Park on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
can only be helped with the TV shows, I hope. I hope that the TV <laughs> shows explain so many things right. that one day I will watch The Rise of Skywalker and it will all just flow. It'll all feel better, right? It'll, it'll all feel better. <laughs> but The Rise of Skywalker, in a lot of ways, is the most extreme example of how somehow J.J. Abrams was not allowed to take a single risk in that movie. Right. C-3PO loses his memory. He gets it back. I think Chewbacca's dead for a second. And I'm watching that live in the theater. <laughs> I turn to my friend yep. and say, I'm I, I, I'm, I, I'm conflicted. I don't know how to feel right now, which is a beautiful thing to feel in a movie theater. Right. And just as I'm saying that, I see that Chewbacca is alive. And not only do I see yep. Chewbacca is alive, I see it before our main cast knows that Chewbacca is alive. So by the time I see them react to that, I, I don't even... I have no yeah, impact. It's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, meanwhile, uh, television is all about specificity and it's all about these uh, decisions. And you kind of need some sort of cliffhanger at the at the end of every single episode to keep people coming back. Or you need, you know, you, you're slowly telling a story and you mm -hmm. need these incentives step by step to keep people watching. And so I think that's what's exciting about the, about television. I think that's why so many people are are um, are on board with it. And uh, what's most amazing is just the variety of styles. Uh, yes. To me, you know, the Mandalorian feels like um, I don't even know how to explain it. But, you know, when Hercules and Xena would come on, yep. <laughs> what, what day of the week did they come out on? Yeah. That was like, like, gosh, what was that? Was that even a, that was like a Saturday evening thing? I think, maybe? I like, think so. Yeah. It feels like yeah. that. It feels like Saturday <laughs> mm -hmm. evening is the best time to watch the Mandalorian yep. and or feels like uh prestige Friday night, uh, 8 PM. Yep. Everyone, you know, uh, should, should put it on. Um, Ahsoka looking forward to that. It seems like that's going to be perhaps a little more mystical samurai specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to see. And it's like, this is star Wars's chance to answer a number of questions to like what I, excites me the most about the Mandalorian is that as the seasons go by, it should explain the, the rise of the first order, which is something right. that just from the movies I do not have a good a sense of, of how they showed up there. And, and unless you unless you played Fortnite and heard that one video <laughs> or one audio message from Palpatine that was in Fortnite, like you yeah. don't really know how this happened. Um, so yeah, so that that's a really great way to look at that. And I love, you know, even comparing it to like, you know, the TV, you know, landscape that we've been used to over the last, you know, 20 years or so. Uh, 20 probably 30 years at this point, you know, you had the Friday night TGIF, you had the you know, the Thursday night, I think about the Thursday night NBC block where you had 30 Rock in the office and Parks and Rec and like all these, like that's feels like that's where Book of Boba Fett fits because yes. it was like a very wide swath kind of thing. Like, you know, it wasn't the first one, but it also wasn't maybe the primetime slot. Like it was the middle one. Yeah. Because Boba Fett appeals to a bunch of people and it had a different vibe. And I mean, Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Kenobi might have maybe even almost fit like that West Wing vibe, like Wednesday night, oh, so like yeah. seven or eight. Um, and Kenobi had that more full austere. range. Like Kenobi yeah. had some of the most violent scenes I've ever seen in Star Wars, but at the same time would fluctuate to, you know, the, the chasing Princess Leia, which I'm totally fine right. with. 
because I yeah. think that what Obi Wan, what that show is really doing, it's trying to to fit some connective tissue between the level of campiness of the prequels in some regard and mm -hmm. what we get in the original trilogy. And I think it does that seamlessly. Like if you I, can, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. If you can watch Jar Jar Binks get uh, pod lasers uh, numbing <laughs> his tongue, you can handle princess Leia having that's a right. bit of a goofy chase. <laughs> yeah. But by, by, by some aliens who also look like they're ready to be having their tongues lasered. As yes. Well. <laughs> Yeah, it, it totally connects and it totally fits with fitting the genres, which I think is really impressive. And just I love plugging it into that way because that's how we're programmed at this point as content cr consumers. Yeah. You know, we're used to the streaming platforms. We get into, you know, modes where we get Tales of the Jedi and we're going to get all six of them at one time. If you mm -hmm. give it to me all at one time, I'm going to watch it all at one time. Yeah. But I also have get something like Andor or Mando or, you know, the weekly streaming thing where it became more of a deal. Like, I'm excited. I'm especially pleased that Andor is as good as it is and that I get it once a week that, like, I want to savor it. And I also mm -hmm. want the time, to, like we talked about earlier, to process it, to watch it more than once, to get the first viewing in and then go back and go, what are we really saying here? Like yeah. giving it really has time to develop. Um, and then we have other properties that go alongside that. If you're a house of the dragons person, if you're a she Hulk person, if you're a Lord of the Rings, like if you're a fan of fandoms and all these different things, like there's something every night of the week almost, which is a yeah. fun place to be also, because I don't have to be, well, crap Andor's over. I've got to wait another week mm. because I have this on Sunday. I have this on Thursday. I have this on Thursday. Like, that, that's a fun place to be too but as a tv writer and i want to dig into this a little bit because andor i mean andor's another level and again yeah. i reference yubnub you guys i think your episode this past week when you guys kind of got into it, it's kind of the first big episode that y'all have done because y'all were on a little bit of a break talking yeah. about the show it's so good like <laughs> just <laughs> yeah as a as a writer and as a tv writer just talk to us about how good it is. Talk to us about, oh. you know, what you're seeing and where, it, where it resonates for you. It's, uh, yeah. Like I said, in that episode of Yubnup, I think people overuse the term masterclass, but it really is a masterclass because, um, what's beautiful is that it's telling a story that doesn't have to be star Wars, but is elevated because it is star Wars. And, right. uh, it, it, it does things that are, that are just great reminders for any writer. Just like what I keep coming back to is just stakes it within any situation because mm -hmm. um, it's, it's so focused on, on conversations, uh, but it manages to not make the conversations boring. And that's what makes me kind of angry when people say this show is boring. There are stakes <laughs> within each of these right. conversations and it's uh, it's, it's manipulating us as an audience because Sometimes we have more information than a few of the characters while we're watching the conversation. Sometimes uh, the characters have more information than us while we're, uh, while we're yeah. watching the conversation. And uh, was it episode seven? Um, af after, uh, yeah, episode seven, Andor has already done the uh, the heist on Aldi Aldani. Mm -hmm. And he comes back to Ferex and he's having this conversation with Marva. And right. uh <laughs> and he can't tell Marva that he was involved he in the heist. He can't tell her that he did it. 
And yeah. yet the heist that he was a part of has genuinely inspired his mother uh, yep. in a way that she hasn't uh, been inspired in years since the death of her husband. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and she so and good. she is mentioning this to Andor. Mm hmm. <laughs> as it's, as it's it's, it's like it's like aunt may bragging about spider-man because <laughs> yeah. of all the great things he's doing for their neighborhood while peter's standing there going i can't tell you that's me like it's that same vibe just and again that's so multi-layered and that's and that's not something we're used to in star wars which is sometimes why you see the complaints from the people online oh, it's too slow it's too this yeah. like it's really not. And like, <laughs> as we continue to watch it, and again, these are all my opinions. I'm just putting it out there, but like, you know, we hear the pacing thing and we hear the deliberate thing. You know, you can throw in all the cliches you want to. It's just good. Like the tension yeah. builds, right? The conversation. I mean, when Mon Mothma is having one of these fancy parties that her jerk of a husband has thrown again, where she's like, you're inviting all the people that hate me to come to our house. And then the teenage daughter shows up and mm -hmm. the teenage daughter is suspicious because the old boyfriend who's also, you know, Tay, <laughs> yeah. the other guy, like you're just on the edge going. Yeah. The teenager's going to be the one that figures it out. The teenager's oh, yeah. going to be the one that's spoiled. Like, yeah, it gets so real. It gets so connected. I mean, and the layers of it, you could go with Dedra. You mm -hmm. can go with, um, Vel and Cinta, you can go with Bix. Uh, there's not a character in this show that is wasted. And Absolutely the way not. these stories interlock, and we're not even getting into freaking Stellar Skateboard or Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you watch How Did This Get Made, you know Stellar Skateboard. Um, but Luthen and Lu the um the Clea, the assistant that worked, like every single one of these, it just you hang on to it. Like you can't not be gripped by it and again if it wasn't star wars it'd still be an amazing story yeah that people would tune into i i want to do an experiment and i haven't done it yet um i really want to get my wife to watch it and the challenge right now <laughs> is to get her to suspend the star wars part of her brain that goes but this is a star wars thing because i really yeah. think she'd enjoy it if she can just disassociate that one part of it I do think um, that someone who has never seen Star Wars can dive into the show, unlike any other correct. Star Wars property, because yep. this is just a sci-fi thriller, and it, it explains things along along the way. Like it, it's mm -hmm. like the beginning of the show on the on the rainy planet, and you know he's yep. he's looking for his sister, and he like that. Yep. That is just such a great uh, introduction to Andor. And it's such a great use of of uh, making a prequel essentially interesting because um, you're not wondering how is Andor going to get to the point where he meets this character from Rogue One. Right. You're thinking, how the heck is Andor going to get out of this specific situation? How's he going to get out of the fact right. that he just killed two corporate security guards exactly. in the first five minutes of this show? Like, and uh, the show keeps doing this. It's like, how is yeah. he going to uh, get through this heist alive? How is he going to get out of this mm -hmm. prison? How is he like, you're just interested in these specific situations and uh, specifically like intense situations that you, mm -hmm. and your question is like, how would I get out of that if I were in that situation? Right. Um, it's just brilliant. It's it, it really is. And it's so. This is the other thing talking about. I, 
mentioned earlier, and of course I talk about it every week, if it was a drinking game, people would be dead watching this show. <laughs> but talking about being in a golden era of Star Wars, like we have so many things and my network co-partner Pete, he talks all the time, the different windows and doors that we have at this point for people to come into Star Wars. Mm. Whether it's animation, whether it's live action, whether it's movies. I'm an original trilogy guy, mm. you know, prequel trilogy people. My kids, you know, their first real Star Wars things were like, oh, you want to go to the movies? They didn't care about what movie it was. They just want to mm. go to the movie theater. And it was sequel trilogy movies. But the fact that we have so many entry points into mm. this fandom that, you know, I've loved for going on 44 years now is so diverse and it's so if you want the spy thriller you need to watch rogue one you need to watch this show Mm -hmm. if you want the fast and furious version of some sort of star wars you watch book of boba fett because we've got shiny speeders and we've got action scenes and we've got a big you know dinosaur monster rolling through the streets of the city and tearing stuff up if you want kind of an old west vibe you get Mandalorian if you want. It's all there. If you are an old guy like me and you just want to know more about Obi-Wan, you watch Kenobi. (laughs) Like there's something there for everybody. Yeah. But even within that, and this is where I always come back to within the wide ranging availability of stuff, there are surprises. Mm. I'm not the right age or target demographic for star Wars rebels, but it's maybe one of my favorite things since the disney acquisition Mm. i love rebels in a way as an original trilogy kid and somebody who was born in 1978 it wasn't targeted at me Mm. clone wars the animated series is not my jam i appreciate it i go back and use it kind (laughs) of like a reference book to look up you know arcs and things that i didn't know about but because of rebels and the love that i grew to have for ahsoka out of rebels the last season of clone wars season seven that last bit of it in the tank, like mm. Ahsoka versus Maul, like all those things. Like I am there for that. I appreciate Bad Batch more than I would have. Like it's so neat and it's just impressive to me. And this is one of the things that I have said for a long time about the Disney acquisition of Star, Star Wars for all the complaints, for all the things that people say about Disney. Disney for from its inception has been about telling stories. Mm. And that's what Disney does is they tell stories really well. It may not be the story that you want or the story that I want, but it's a story that hits someone and connects somewhere. And to add that to Star Wars to me just improves what Star Wars can be. And of course, there are flaws and there are faults and there are real world life things that happen. Decisions, changes, retcons thing. You know, we've heard all those different things and that's not to dismiss those. But what I guess what I'm asking you, and this is a very long way to get to another question for you. (laughs) Yeah. What do you see as a writer in the Disney Star Wars era that kind of is a plus for Star Wars? I think, uh, well, first of all, I love the premise of of this show. And uh, specifically because I am sort of I'm writing something right now that is about um about the connection of of uh, of big media stories that mm-hmm. people love, like Marvel and stuff, and religion, yep. and and what happens okay. if they if they converge. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's 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 genuinely interesting to me about Star Wars at this moment is that 
for me personally, I grew up in, in Los Angeles. I grew up close sure. to uh, USC, the school that George Lucas mm-hmm. went to. Yep. I was an introverted, nerdy kid uh, with I have sort of a monotone voice. So when I discovered who George Lucas was, he was my guy. <laughs> like he <Yep. laughs> and, uh, and like he, he is the embodiment of this fantasy of like, oh, there's some stuff I jotted down. I can I can turn it into something that that people will love. Um, and that people want to dive into and, and want to know more about the lore of. So you go from having a figure like a figurehead like that, where you think all the beautiful stream of Star Wars comes out of, then a company acquires it, and you don't know. And I think it, people, the the Star Wars community has been fractured in, in a bit before that, but that kind of like cracked open the egg. And I think a lot of the panic was just not knowing who who is this being filtered through? And what I love about Star Wars right now is that there's so many great shows, so many great books, so many great, uh, you know, everything is that I'm finally at a point with it when I, where I don't, I barely think about the name Disney when it comes to a lot of the Star Wars stuff coming out. And a lot of that is that is because it's like, it's Star Wars has gone from uh, a kingdom to a Republic. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and now I know more about the inner workings of this Republic. And I love, you know, thinking about Favloni, which is what we call <laughs> the combination of Favreau and Dave Filoni. And I yep. love knowing that Tony Gilroy has his sort of patch. And I love knowing that there's a Star Wars story group. And I love knowing that there is like, uh, you know, with uh, the older public books, like I love just this idea that like all the writers get together and have a couple weeks to, to talk about how they're going to map out this this mm-hmm. story, and that's that's the exciting part. That is uh, uh, like a living, uh, you know. There's a concept of the living force in Star right. Wars. It feels like there's a living um, mm-hmm. a force of writers and creators um, uh, coming to an agreement on a thing, coming to an agreement on what happens to the older public and how does it get us here. And kind mm-hmm. of going to their their own lanes and and helping to make it all cohesive. It's it's actually like a very difficult thing to do. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. we're getting continually these backstories that fill in. How did we get to these big rock? I always talk about big rocks. Mm-hmm. You have the original trilogy you have the prequels, you have the sequel trilogy. Like those are our big rocks in this overarching story. 
but all these other things that come in behind it, like Clone Wars, Rebels, every live action show we're getting right now. I have such high hopes for Ahsoka. Like, truly, again, as somebody who wasn't the target audience for that character, she's one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period. Like, it just, I love that character. I love what they've done with her. Um, but we get to fill in those gaps. And that's the other neat thing about this franchise and the ability to literally plug in. How much do you want? Do you want to read the comics and the books and watch the shows and watch the movies? If you do, like you've hit the quadfecta or whatever, you know, if you're like me, I'm going to watch all the shows. I've watched all the movies. I read the books the in the old EU, like when I was mm -hmm. in high school and we were in that dark time that we all talked about as old people, like, <laughs> you know, the original yeah. Thrawn trilogy is still one of my favorite star Wars things ever. Mm -hmm. I've not done a good job of keeping up with the newer in canon books when that all changed. I haven't read any High Republic stuff. I know it's great. I know people love it. I just haven't gotten there because I don't have the time. I don't have yeah. the, you know, I get to the end of my day and I go, mm, I can't read tonight. I have to go to, <laughs> you know, something easier like watching TV on my phone and falling asleep. Um, yeah. But it's all there. And that's the beauty of the era that we're in. If you just want to watch shorts, you can mm -hmm. do the Galaxies of Adventure shorts on YouTube. You can do Tales of the Jedi. You can do Visions, which is phenomenal. Like, there's literally something there for everybody. And I love that that's where we are with Star Wars because that's what it feels like George Lucas wanted in the early days. I just want to make something that makes people happy. Yeah. And I think that for the most part, that's where Star Wars is. Now, the parts of Star Wars that I hear about on a weekly basis because I'm on Star Wars Twitter and all that <laughs> stuff, you wouldn't think that's the case, but what I have to remember is I'm the smallest part of that bell curve. I'm the yeah. smallest part of somebody who sees a new episode and goes, Oh, this thing made me mad. And I can't mm -hmm. believe that in, you know, Luthen shop Jar Jar's, you know, shield generators in the background. Like, yeah, somebody's going to have a thing to complain about, but ultimately that's not where star Wars is. And that's why it's so fun to know it's just there to be enjoyed. Yeah, for me, lately, I've been, I've been kind of psychologically saying, just trying to remind myself what fandom felt like before the internet was where it is now. Yes. And yep. it was maybe this is a sign of uh, me growing older as a person. I think everyone kind of gets to that point in their life where it's <laughs> like, I'm just going to have a cutoff point in terms of like yep. the way that I experience my fandom. Uh, but uh, the internet element of it is not even that fun for the most part. It's not. It's not. Right. It, and I think, uh, you know, we're in a, a time where there's like a lack of like physical spaces and like interactions with people in physical spaces. Yep. But so much of the fun of Star Wars is like that rare feeling of like back when there used to be video stores, you go to the video store and you have a conversation yes. with, with the clerk about about Star Wars or, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and that's such a great point because. You know, you mentioned early, you know, the pandemic and the things, you know, the way, whether it was your job, whether it was, you know, for me, this podcast has been in existence since 2017. And we did episodes sporadically when we could, you know, meet up and coordinate living in two different towns and record something over, you know, Skype or whatever it was we were doing. But when the pandemic hit and purely by coincidence, I was out of work two weeks before the pandemic started. It mm -hmm. was just one of those things that happened. So I had a year where I was home with my family, which I was glad for because I helped my kids with virtual school mm. and all the lockdown things. But that was the point when this show kind of took off and went in a different direction. And we went, you know, weekly live streams and 
I connected with people in this same, like you said, the internet realm. So it's a, it's a, it's the double-edged sword. I have yeah. made so many amazing friends, network partners, the people that I got to meet at celebration, including our mutual friend, Greg, like those things happened in an, for all the crap that Twitter is and that star Wars Twitter is. And for all those yeah. things, to go to Star Wars Celebration, one, it felt like a family reunion. I got to meet all these people that I've been friends with for a year now in real life and hug their necks and have a drink at the bar in the back porch of the Hilton and, you know, do those things. But the people that went to Celebration, none of them were mad about Star Wars. They were there yeah. because they're like, holy crap, I love this. And like, <laughs> that's those moments where you go, this is really what it's about. Like, it's about yeah. something that we want to enjoy and that we can have fun with. Yeah. And to see and, and it not you, only from the fan side, but from the creator side and from the actors and the talent and the people going to those panels and listening to them talk. I mean, the big focus, of course, at Celebration was Obi-Wan and mm -hmm. Ewan McGregor and Hayden are there and they're going, we came back to this because we realized the fans wanted it and we realized the love and the outpouring. Like, that's the power of Star Wars is in the people going, this is fun and I like it. Yeah, and there is a there is a way to uh, make fun of Star Wars out of love as well. I don't want to no, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, want to. I'm right that. there with you, and that that's part of the joy as well. Like it's it's like uh, yeah. you know, you know, it, uh, it reminds me absolutely, and it reminds me of we did our Potathon charity event a couple months ago, and one of our you know good friends, the guys at the Bombad cast, they had Seth Green on. And Seth mm -hmm. Green talked about making robot chicken and making the robot chicken Star Wars stuff. And he was like, we're making fun of it, but we made fun of it because we love Star Wars. And George yeah. was on board for it because he got it. Like <laughs> that's that, that's that fine, like overlap of like, this is what it's supposed to be is yeah. it's fun. There's funny mo. I mean, go for mm -hmm. Papa Palpatine is never not funny when yeah. it's that, you know, robot chicken Palpatine taking the phone call from Vader. Like, it just it it has a spot for everybody. And that's what I love so much about where we have ended up. And we just have to work our way through the less enjoyable parts. And that's where I rem remind myself that every day that passes, I become more Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. And I'm just too <laughs> old for this shit. Like I, that's that's where it ends up for, you yeah. know, the grouchy parts of, you know, social media and Star Wars. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I always try to, I always imagine uh, that it, all of this has to be absurd to George Lucas himself to a certain extent. And, but also mm -hmm. strange because George Lucas is a guy who can wander through an office and be like, well, they're called droidicas. And like, what is like, what, like, what kind of life is that? Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just but somebody weird. else is writing it down going, this is now a thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, it ends um, up in an archive. It ends up in a, you know, <laughs> Art of book by Phil Shostak, like yeah. somewhere along the line, it becomes a thing because George wandered through and went, hey, what about this? Why not? Yeah. yeah why can't they just be called droidicas? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, that the idea of like being too old for it is uh, I'm amazed because I, I grew up with the prequels. I loved them. Uh, and then I kind of grew out of them. And I, I still kind of grapple with the meaning of, of that, of that sure. initial, like, I think I used to think the Phantom Menace was, was perfect. Um, uh, but now uh, it's, it's also surreal seeing just like the, there's a, f a faction of Star Wars fans who are just like, 
who have stayed in that the prequels are perfect lane and that's that right. that's surprising and so everyone mm -hmm. has these uh these uh, these places that they're at and uh star wars is a speaking of empires is sort of uh sort of an empire because it, it it uh has steadily captured the imagination of of uh three or four generations of children at this point right <laughs> by doing the sort oh. of like uh, the Disney vault thing, essentially like it goes mm -hmm. away for a bit, then it comes back right when you suddenly have kids, you, you watch it when you had kids. Now you have, now those, yeah. those kids are old enough to watch a whole new version of it. And then yeah. they give you Disney plus and you're like, what do you mean? I can literally have almost every <laughs> star Wars thing that ever existed at my fingertips, literally anytime I want to on my computer, my TV, my telephone, like, yeah. If you had told me that in <laughs> 1989 when I was 11 years old, I'd have been huh. like, I, I don't know what you're saying to me right now. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's and it's so good. And that's why. And that's it's a tough place to be to say we should just enjoy it. We should just be thankful. We should just whatever, because there are real world stories being told and or shows us that like. There's a something I want to shout out. Um, Mesa Windu, his on Twitter, he put a post up tonight. It is Thursday, November the 3rd. He put a post up and it was like eight or 12 like screenshots of different things from Andor. And it's all mm -hmm. the real world one to one comparisons of like, you know, police profiling and political things and indigenous people being erased and like mm -hmm. all these things. That's real because that's the world we live in. And there's other things that are going to happen and there are story changes that are going to happen that are going to affect groups of, you know, minorities and people that are important. You know, we've heard some stuff about Tales of the Jedi and, you know, the end of that series and the Ahsoka story that got changed a little bit. Hmm. Those are real things. And those are also, it's that moment to remember that like, these are corporations, these are human beings that are making hmm. these stories and there are going to be mistakes that are made along the way. But at the bottom of it, when we drill it down to the key base of it all, is this a story that brings people together? It's a story that brings people like you and me who don't know each other. Greg, my buddy Pete, who lives in New Jersey, my friend Scotty, who lives in New Orleans. Like these stories that spoke to each of us individually at the same time bring people together and bring us together to relate and connect around shared stories on different levels, which is still very powerful while not excusing the changes in the problematic and ugly parts of it. We have that in real life. We have family stories that are ugly and difficult and we have to work through those and figure out what is our role and how do we do. And I think what is dictated the most in that is how do we respond to those stories? And that's still a growing edge. You know, that's something that's still being leaned into. Yeah. And uh, I mean, all great stories have uh, have uh, have plot holes and, <laughs> and things that turn. Sure. Into, almost every religion basically has that, and, and I think that without uh, a doubt. <laughs> and I think that um, everyone has their own sense of uh, of canon, and that's the, that. The fact that Star Wars is juggling this is also interesting i mean i'm not super like i i like uh marvel comics but i wouldn't say like i'm like a very efficient nerd but there are probably sure. versions of this with like the actual comic book 
community in DC and right. Marvel where it's like, well, this contradicts this thing. And like those stories go on for since since the like 40s, some like, like some of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the fact that they're somehow still a connected story with these characters that kind of don't age or they get replaced like there's a new Robin or something. It's a. Yep. Uh, it's a it's a web that is that uh, that is hard to take in at once mm-hmm. um, for sure I'm, and, I'm of that that i only knew robin is dick grayson yeah but then all of a sudden at some point i'm like wait there's a jason todd who is jason <laughs> <Yeah>. todd <laughs> jason todd is also robin like I, that the time i realized that probably in like the or late 90s or whenever that happened i was like wait different robin what do you mean and the difference is i didn't like burn a couch in my front yard because it made me so mad that robin was different i just went oh yeah okay like i get it like things happen things change nightwing becomes it just it's the thing but you're right it's a it's a change it's about reception it's about you know how do we process those things as a fandom which our humanity is going to bleed into our fandoms. And I think that maybe is one of the things that I sometimes try to realize. And sometimes you can't excuse it because horrible people are horrible people. But there are other times when somebody's screaming on the internet about something that made them mad in Andor or Obi-Wan or Book of Boba Fett. And you just have to stop yourself and go, their real life is not great. And that's why this is the thing that makes them mad because there's 12 yeah. other things that are weighing on them and this is their outlet and that doesn't excuse it. Yeah. But it gives you that chance to also go, the internet's not real life. Mm-hmm. Real life is when you go to star Wars celebration and you meet the people that you've known online and they're everything you expected them to be. And you meet all the other fans that are there going, star Wars is awesome. Let's go. Happy Saturday. Like that's the deal. Yeah. It's because I think like fandoms, like a, a part of what gets people into them is um the world is so chaotic that it doesn't seem to make sense there's no order to it so then you get something like let's say the lord of the rings where Mm -hmm. it's like this is a universe that someone's created and i can dive into this and it it can i can it it makes more sense than real life it seems like sure (laughs) that's what gets you into it and i think that's also where the birth of a lot of frustration comes up because once things start to get askew or don't connect as much then like there's a heightened uh issue there for some people um but it's interesting to me that um you know at with the disney acquisition meant something that genuinely i i can understand why it came across as a betrayal that whole thing of like severing the old expanded stories Mm -hmm. that where was it at that point were those considered canon this is my favorite thing about it because it's like this is yeah exactly yeah actual religion at this point Mm -hmm. yeah it's you ask somebody (laughs) <laughs> for me it was because yeah. like that original Thrawn trilogy like yeah. I read it in the 90s when I was in junior high and high school and it's probably presented and to you as canon at the time it was all that was available so that yeah. I had no other possibility other than to accept like this is what Star Wars is mm-hmm. like to go back now like I've listened to you know podcasts where you've got Kevin Anderson and some of these folks that wrote these stories and they're like, it was kind of like the Wild West. Like we were trying to coordinate with each other, but also mm-hmm. Lucasfilm was like, just write some stuff, like go for it. Like it yeah. was, you know, it was all <laughs> out there. Um, but for me as the consumer, as a 13, 14, 15 year old, whatever I was at the time, 
like that was the only Star Wars that was available because the last thing I had gotten was Return of the Jedi in 1983. Mm-hmm. So I was like, holy crap, here's Star Wars. And it's a book and I like to read. And thanks to the Pizza Hut Book It program <laughs> where I could read <laughs> books and get free personal pan pizzas, like I'm reading every book I can get my hands on. Yeah. And so that was my Star Wars. And that was that was my canon to come back to your point. Mm-hmm. It wasn't honestly until the Disney acquisition that Canon versus legends was even a consideration yeah, because it changed at that point. Like, Oh wait, this could be different. And, and I if, got why it did. Yeah. But it was still a new concept. And it feels like a, a schism. It, like, and you yeah. go to Wikipedia and you can see the schism. You got the legends yeah. tab and you have the canon. It's tab. literally <laughs> listed as two separate tabs. Yeah. And I think there, there has been some atonement to that. Cause then it's like, they're picking up elements of, of the legends and they're giving it a new context mm-hmm. in, in Canon. And so this is, this is the sweet spot. Like the thing I'm saying, I'm, I'm kind of writing right now is like in that sweet spot. This is what I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with is like, what is that? And you like, and what does it mean that so many people have been convinced of this thing? But then at the same time, uh, the ability to, to pick up an element of the legend story and put it into a new context is kind of um, kind of going back to that concept of a living force. I think like religion has this, yep. there's a living element to all elements of society that, that are exemplified in, in that's what's happening with star Wars right now. hundred percent. And it, to, to bring it back to that very specific and certainly it relates, you know, to this show on a certain level, you know, as somebody who grew up with a Christian background, I was, you know, grew up at the Christian church, worked in the Christian church as a youth minister for 20 years. Um, I'm still, I'm an Episcopalian. I believe, you know, I have a Christian faith of my own personal nature. I don't apply it to other people. It, my faith is my faith. But when you hear that conversation about, you know, the living God, the living God is the living force. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's a one-to-one connection where you look at those things and go, this is how it relates. Yeah. When you talk about scripture, you know, you look at the Old Testament and they're talking about slavery and women can't do it. You know, like that doesn't relate to real life because that's not real life. That's not the world we live in now. But you can look at the changes and the inspiration and you can find the things in that that go, oh, this is the part that is actually helpful. The slavery yeah. part, not so much. We don't do that. That's not our deal. And um, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> I, it's, I, I just love it because like I, I I I dove into Star Wars at such a young age that like I'm constantly I can't help but like I get sucked into you you know Star Wars YouTube rabbit holes all the yep. time. Um, oh yeah. But uh, everything in a way like you you have to find your own personal connection to to Correct. anything. But I just love these um, you know like the, you have the two tabs of uh, of legends <laughs> and, and canon. You can apply that to you know, Christianity and Judaism yep. and Islam. You got, sure. you click on the Islam tab, they say like, well, Jesus wasn't uh, the son of God, but he was a prophet. But we still have him in here. You can- yeah. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. Jesus Jesus wasn't the guy with blonde hair and blue eyes that shows up in most of the Southern Baptist churches in the part of the country I live in. That's yeah. not what Jesus looked like if he was a real person. He was a Middle Eastern dude. His skin yeah. was brown. His hair was dark. Like, this is what it goes. Yeah. But that's exactly it. And the inspiration that's drawn from it. And for me, I always go back to the very nature of faith 
is this the single most personal thing that somebody can encounter. Mine is not going to be like yours because we're different people and our experiences are different. Our backgrounds are different. Where we came from is different. Every aspect of what my faith is, is going to differ from yours, from my wife's, from my best friends, from, you know, my priest, from whoever it is that I connect with. That's what faith is. It's intensely personal. And if it's real, it's the most personal thing you have. And so to look at Star Wars in a similar lens, I'm going to receive Star Wars differently than Tim is because I come from a different background. I come from a different socioeconomic status. I come from a different ethnic status. I come, like every part of Star Wars is going to speak to me differently than it's going to speak to you or to one of my 14 year old daughters or to one of, you know, my almost 70 year old father who received it differently than I did. Like it's the power of story. And that's what's the most, you know, faith is story when we boil it down. So to get to that level and to figure out where does it connect? Where do we find ourselves in that story? That's the power of the whole thing, whether it's Joseph Campbell, whether it's George Lucas, it's all right there. Yeah. And the, the, the strange beauty of star Wars is that it, it has a, it has a, a spiritual code in a sense Yep. that is so vague, beautifully vague, that people <laughs> of all walks of life can attach to it and, and right. find something wrong. Absolutely. And, and, and that is, that, that is, that is just something. I don't even know what I have to say, but that is just no, something. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I want to hit a couple of couple couple of quick other questions because I, I love this conversation. I love where we've been. Um, I want to ask you a couple of things before we get out of here. Um, as a TV writer, mm -hmm. and I don't want to paint you completely into a box because you may have a feature film in your pocket. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I know certainly a lot of what you have done in your career has related to TV writing. If you, Tim, mm. could write a Star Wars TV story... Hmm. anything that you could pick and this i'm putting you on the spot because i didn't ask yeah. you this question ahead of time if you could write a star wars story to go on disney plus to be a series to be a something what would be the story that you would want to write okay uh i have two answers the one that that okay. uh it seems like they uh, i forget the name of a lot of the new star wars shows coming out that they may be doing something that's sort of like tailored for children and kind of scary mm -hmm. right skeleton crew skeleton crew which seems yeah. great but i used to read these books called galaxy of fear have you heard of them yep these were i, I, I love those. Yeah. i would love to make a galaxy of fear series um okay lately I've been, when i've been watching um andor i'm in love with ferrix and there's something about um uh episode eight when uh mm -hmm. um bix and i forget um andor's other friend they're visiting uh marva and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, tim no no tim's no, the boyfriend tim, yeah um, tim died i forget the, that character's name brasso. brasso brasso yeah and you've yeah. got uh you got b in there and i would love to make a norman lear style uh <laughs> sitcom set yep. on ferrix about working class life in star wars it's so weird that you say that because this is not a conversation. This is not a conversation I've literally had with anyone. Pete, who I text on a multi, you know, multiple times a day to basis, my part network partner, 
anybody else, there have been multiple times watching this show, the Marva stuff with mm. B and Marva in that apartment, not turning on the heat. Brasso, yeah. the neighbors, like Norman Lear is literally the thing that's popped in yeah. my head. So the fact that you say that, I'm like, <laughs> there is a space there yeah. for that Definitely. kind of thing. Or at least a Roseanne. You know, you got the spinning camera around a table at Marva's uh, house. And then uh, a huge Roseanne style cackle at the end. I'd watch that. Yeah, it, it's it's I would be there. It'd be a completely like that's the thing I want to see. Like it's a good that's a way to go. So Norman Lear Star Wars. <laughs> let's make that happen. <laughs> let's do but it. Written by Tim. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Well, what I want to do now and as we get close to wrapping up, I ask this question of all of my guests. And as we say, Podcast of the Wheels is the podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. If Even if somebody doesn't have a personal faith background, we get that idea of you know a spiritual experience, a moment where something hits us on a deeper level than just a movie, just a TV show. So for you, Tim, can you put your finger on a Star Wars spiritual experience you've had, which is essentially a moment where for you, mm. Star Wars hits you on a deeper level? Uh, yes, I, I would okay. say that I actually have had a, a spiritual experience with Star Wars and okay. it's, uh, um, I can be a cynical guy. I'm a comedian. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I grew up, uh, religious, uh, and, uh, I take, a, a lot of good stuff out of that experience, uh, sure. like just a general sense of purpose and a, a, a vague sense of faith that everything will be all right. Um, uh, but so the first time I watched the rise of Skywalker, the moment with, uh, w which was like, um, you know, rise of Skywalker come, came out, uh, a few months after the passing of Carrie Fisher, but you, yep. I'm watching the scene where she, you know, the, the ship explodes, she flies out into space and then she kind of soars back in like Mary Poppins night. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I, I. I didn't. I. I kind of laughed at it, but I kind of didn't know how to feel about it. Right. Then you fast forward to I finally get a chance to watch that with my dad, and uh, something about his experience watching that uh, that moment. There was a sense of genuine awe and and wonder and uh, mm -hmm. and something that felt connected to to faith with him and. And now I, when I watch that scene, I don't laugh at it as much. Sure. Uh, and, and I also, I also kind of knew that this was probably connected to something. Cause I remember when I was a kid, my dad was telling me about a, a, a nightmare he had where he was falling down a cliff. And then as he was falling, he started to pray. And as he was praying, he, he started lifting back, <laughs> back up. On oh, wow. The cliff. Uh, and so that moment mm -hmm. with princess Leia felt connected to that sort of thing. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's yeah. fantastic. That's really, that's really amazing. And that's, some, that's one of those ones. And I love that that's a moment that you picked because that's that scene. Like, you know, we joke, we call it space Mary Poppins, you know, any of us <laughs> yeah. that, you know, kind of hung out in that event, like what, what's going on here. But at the same time, like I felt exactly like you did, like when it happened, I was like, wait, what? Like I was all, I was thrown off but I wasn't turned off. Like there was yeah. that weird middle in between of like, but this kind of makes sense. And then for me, not having the same personal connection that you did afterwards, I'm like, 
oh yeah that happened in rebels like kanan did that and like mm. it was a force thing that was available and it was this other thing but then also for me and i know that my listeners have heard me talk about this a million times i went to celebration in 2017 in orlando and it was right after carrie died in 20, december of 2016 and Billy Lord came out on stage and she did the monologue that Carrie does in new hope general mm -hmm. Kenobi years ago, you saw my father in the clone war and she's this woman standing on the stage doing this monologue. That's iconic for her mom months after her mother has died. Like that shrunk me down to like this big, <laughs> like I was tiny because I went, this is a truly humbling human moment. Mm -hmm. that for me is the same as that spiritual moment and being able to have that thing. So I love that yours relates to Leia. I love that it relates to a parental, you know, family connection moment. That's very, very special. Um, and I thank you for sharing that because that's what it is. And that's when I asked that question, like, that's what I love to drill down into. Cause yes, it's movies and yes, it's TV shows. And yes, it's stuff I'm going to complain about on the internet because <laughs> that's what we do now. But when we boil it down, it's fathers and sons, it's brothers and sisters, it's mothers and fathers, it's whatever it is where we see ourselves reflected in this thing that we love so much. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, as the these new Star Wars properties come, um, uh, Princess Leia or General Leia is sort of like the actual heart of Star Wars in, in this odd Without way. It and, it, and it comes from this like, what I feel was a last minute decision to make her Luke's uh, sister. Uh, but mm -hmm. out of that, uh, out of the sort of necessary recontextualization that you have to do as a franchise has come a lot of beauty in there. And she had, and so now when you watch a show like Obi-Wan, um, she is, um, she's a, she's a, she's a daughter to her adoptive parents. Uh, and the scene, the scene where uh, Bale has to say, basically say to Obi Wan, she's just as important as Luke. That hit yep. hard. For, like it, I actually felt like a surge of yeah. something, like pride <laughs> in mm -hmm. that moment. Um, yeah, it, it definitely paid off. It's it's fantastic. Um, Tim, this has been an amazing conversation. I've had so much fun talking to you and hearing about you know your connections, the way it, you know relates certainly to your career. Um, before we get out of here, yes. I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you, what you're working on, promote anything, whatever you've got going on, let everybody know. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, let's see how long that lasts after, uh, whatever's <laughs> going on Twitter at Tim Barnes, four, five, one. That's the temperature at which jokes burn. You can also get all kinds of information <laughs> at, uh, Tim Barnes .com, where I have a link to my, uh, to a newsletter called letters from African America where you'll be able to get all kinds of updates from me. I think I'm going to become a, you know, Substack newsletter guy. It seems like the, nice. the next step to take in the world of yep. the internet. <laughs> uh, and uh, um, yeah, you can uh, find uh, on TimBarnesComedy.com, you can find links to my cartoon, Mar Maurice on Mars. You can find links to the Yubnub podcast that I co-host. And uh, I've got some exciting stuff coming up uh, in the, in the near future. So I, I can't, uh, really dive into right now but believe me 2023 is going to be my year 
Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast of the Wills. Once again, I want to thank Tim Barnes for joining me for that fantastic conversation. Loved hearing from him. Loved getting a chance to pick his brain about TV writing and how he feels that relates to Star Wars. So much good stuff there. So thanks again to Tim. Be sure to check him out on the Yub Hub Podcast. Such a great show. I can't recommend it enough. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the ATG Cast family. Thank you for being a part of the Podcast of the Wills family. Be sure, as I mentioned at the top of the show, to check out ATGCast.com where you can find all the information about our little network, all the shows we're doing, all the merchandise we have, ways to get involved as a patron supporter. Lots and lots of stuff there for you to check out. So check that out. And I can't wait till we have another episode and we get to be together again soon. So in the meantime, may the Force be with you. Always.